Welcome to Dare a New Belief, a place to discover what is possible for your life after the loss of a loved one, and where you will find inspiration, insight, support, and love, and hopefully a bit of laughter to help you through your day. Now, here's your host, Nada Hogan. Welcome to Dare a New Belief, where you will find light and life, love and joy, healing, faith, and hope a place where you get to believe in what is possible for your life. And today I have the great honor to bring back onto the show, Therese Castellanos, who holds a master's degree in social work from Loyola University in Chicago. Therese has 20 years experience working with adults, adolescents, couples, and families. She specializes in anxiety, depression, trauma, grief, and loss, relationship issues, and major life transitions. Through, and, and Therese believes through therapy, unresolved issues can be addressed so as to gain freedom from shame, guilt, anxiety, and depression, and work toward working towards a healthier way of living that allows for a more meaningful and authentic life. And I can tell you exactly why I'm tripping over my words, because I just am on the verge of crying and everything Everything that you are, Therese, has led you up to this moment. I mean, that's just, it's just, I'm just so taken aback by this. So Therese, welcome. And thank you so much for being here with us. You are, um, you are a powerful woman. Um, You also have a private practice in Chicago and you work with addictions and incident response consultant and a mental health consultant. You also are a certified Reiki practitioner. Yeah. So thank you for being here. Um, that's thank you probably for the having wrong... me back. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, yeah. So Therese, when we left off, I mean, I am. It's like I'm holding back a wall of tears here. And when we left off last week, we were talking about where you're at. Your mother is um, moved in with you today. Yeah. And. She has been um, diagnosed with dementia and that is very fast moving. It's just been two months and things have changed dramatically. Um, There was a lot of forgiving that needs to take place. And um, for the listeners, you have to go back and listen to part one because there is so much, there's so much information. So where we left off is you were talking about, um, you had told your mother that you had forgiven her. Um, and that she had said to you, you know, that um, I don't remember now your exact words, but you know, it was hard. I'm sorry, my doc is feisty <laughs> here. It's so funny how real life shows up in real life, you know. Oh my goodness! I apologize. That's yeah, that's okay. Let You're me okay. let me try to. Okay. Um. <laughs> so, so we left off you in, in, at the part where now you're having to forgive your, yourself. So can you, can you share that with us, how that is all, um, how that's unfolding for you? Sure. So, um, you know, it's, although I, you know, I had mentioned that, um, I had forgiven my mom, you know, forgiveness, it's a process. And so it started, you know, little by little when things would come up, um, 
it, it kind of happens in, in moments and events. Um, you know, when I had my, my child, although I did say that I said to my mom, like, I'm a mom, how could, I can never imagine partying with my children. Um, when I had my second, my second child, I had a, a girl, my, my first child was a boy. Um, you know, something about having a daughter reminded me of me. Um, but my mom, she took care of my children when I went to work and my mom would travel a great distance, um, to come and do that. You know, she would take a bus and two trains, um, to come and watch my kids. Mm. And she watched my son. She was happy to do that. Um, I was her first daughter who had a child. And my mom used to say that having um, having a daughter have a child was a different experience. And she, you know, she took care of them. And so I never had to worry about them when I was at, I was at work. And as a mom, I think any mom can understand that, the peace of heart that I had. Yeah. There, when I talk about moments of healing, Nada, there, there were moments where I saw my mom rocking my daughter. And again, my daughter is a split, split image of me, and she says so. Everyone says so. Um, everyone except my daughter, who's now 17. She doesn't see it. I get it. Right. <laughs> but as a baby, I'd come home from work, and I'd see her rocking my daughter. And um, there were moments of gratitude because in rocking my daughter, I was really happy to see that my mother was giving to my children what she couldn't give to me. Yeah. And because our children are an extension of us, mm-hmm. when she was loving my children and when she was rocking my daughter, I was getting held and loved and rocked as well. And so there was healing in that for me. And those, those moments were, were over time that then made me realize that it wasn't fair, Nada. It wasn't fair for me to judge my mother so harshly Mm. when I too was an imperfect parent. There is no perfect parent. Right. And it wasn't fair to to attempt to imagine what it was like for my mom to number one lose a baby in her arms, mm-hmm. and then her second child have to, you know, place her with her mom, and what she did was the best thing that she could have done for me. I mean, being on a, again, on a bus at one in the morning wouldn't have been safe for my mom nor have been good for me. Right. And she placed me with my grandmother, who better? Someone who absolutely adored me and raised me as her own. And so there were moments like this, Nada, that really started to work toward that forgiveness that I'm talking about. It wasn't you know, overnight, it was parts because, as I said, my mom 
you know, is, is difficult. And um, she's a strong personality. And, but there were moments and there were, there were things that she did that I am beyond grateful for. The other thing that my mom did that I'm very grateful for is that when my husband was dying, my mom was the one who took care of him because my husband was um, closer to my family than he was his. We're a very close-knit family, and everyone adopted um, Roger because he was just a really good guy. And so he was a big brother to my younger brother and sister, who are a lot younger than me. And he was uh, an additional son uh, to my mom, and he was a brother to my brother who passed away in the fire. And it was extremely heartbreaking when, um, when my brother, who had these this tremendous memory loss, um, would come to visit me, and he'd say, "Hey, where's my where's my brother Roger?" Mm. Hey, remember Rick? He passed away, and it was as if he lost him all over again. And so, at some point, I would just say, "He's working." Oh, he worked so much because I couldn't bear seeing the pain and, and, and also the pain of me having to say that he wasn't here anymore. Right. So I have a lot to be grateful. My mom made him his meals when I was at work mm-hmm. and she, you know, cooked his favorite foods and she cared for him. And I I'm forever grateful for that. And those beautiful memories. I mean, it's just, there's so much love. You can hear the love in your voice when you're sharing that story and, and all of the healing that got to take place back years ago and moving up to this moment that all of it, I just believe, I I just believe that God's hands are in all of it. And sometimes we can't see it. Sometimes we don't see it till we're looking back. But I find it just so beautiful that your mom took care of your husband. And and that's, I mean, my gosh, what you have gone through, Therese, is just amazing to me. Because if we can, um, if we can talk about Roger a little bit, because he was your husband who had um, cancer and passed away from that, I believe it it's um ten is it ten years ago? Ten years ago, yes. Ten years ago that he had passed away. So that was, I mean, you suffered, you have suffered losses. I don't, I don't know what that was like to be with your husband to hear that you have a diagnosis of cancer. And how did you navigate that? Well, Nita, it it is an interesting story in the sense that um so one week before my husband and I uh, got married, um, he had a terrible seizure and uh, where he didn't know who I was. I mean, no, he didn't know who I was. He thought I was a relative. He thought he was six mm-hmm. years old. And I was terrified that something, you know, was going to be permanent. Um, mm-hmm. What they did is when they took him to the hospital, and this is literally the Saturday before the Saturday we got married. Um, they did a CT scan and, and they said to him, it looks like you have a brain tumor. And, um, he said to me, you know, we're not married yet. And 
I know that this is going to be a long road for me. So it's okay if you want to leave because I know that this might be too much and I don't blame you. Oh, wow. And I said to him, are you kidding me? Just because there's not a ring on my finger doesn't mean that I'm any less committed to you just because we're not married and we are going to go through this together. Yeah. Wow. And we got married and, uh, we don't have enough time on this program for me to tell you all the wonderful things about him, but he was the strongest man I have ever met mm-hmm. in my life. He had four brain surgeries after every surgery he had. He was a teacher. He didn't even have his staples out of his head, and he'd take the paper to his neuro, uh, neurosurgeon and said, can you sign my papers, please, so I can go back to work? Oh, oh man. And to show you his level of commitment to his students, his oh. second brain surgery, the doctor said to him, the, the tumor is back. We have to get it out as soon as possible. And my husband said, my students have their, back then they were ISATs or IOWAs, something like that. But it's, it's a big deal. It's their state test. He said, my students have their state test coming up in two weeks. I will not be the cause of them doing any less than they can be doing. So I will have the surgery as soon as the test is over. Mm, Wow. And the surgeon said, no, we need to do it. And he said, I'm sorry, doctor, but I'm not changing my mind. And Mm. he had it scheduled the Monday after that Friday when they had their test. Wow. That is who he was. Yeah. He taught until a month before he passed away. Oh my goodness. Yes, he was he was a wonderful man. Yeah. And um, you know, he he taught me that we're not gonna mourn, you know, don't mourn me, I'm still alive and we're gonna we're gonna make the most of our life together. And so he used to say, until they tell me that the tumor's back, I don't have a tumor. And so we lived in six-month increments because he had to get a, an MRI every six months. Okay. And that helped me because three years after he passed away, um, I was diagnosed with cancer, and so breast cancer. And so um, I used that same philosophy to get me through, and I've been in remission for many, many years already and don't really think about it until I have to go to the doctor for my follow-up visits. But... It is, um, he's given me a lot of strength. Isn't that, and it's just amazing how, again, it just feels like it's God's hand in there that here, this is a way that I can show you how you can get through this too. And I mean, my gosh, the stuff that you've gone through is just amazing to me, Therese, that you're still up on two feet and positive and helping others navigate all of this because it's so much. I know that you also decided, you and Roger together decided to have children. Can you tell us about that, how you guys came to that, that um, point to make that decision that, yes, you would have children? Yeah, so um, Roger always wanted to have a family, and I was still in graduate school and working full-time, and he was in school. Um, a quick story, when he got diagnosed with his um, brain tumor, he, he started to go to school, and he, the social worker said to him, you know, are you sure that you still want to go to school knowing that you don't know how many like years you have left? Mm. 
because my husband decided to be a teacher in the midst of his diagnosis because he was going to be a, a an accountant, but he wanted to be a teacher because he thought it would be, feel more meaningful to him. Um. And he and and the social worker, which I'm really, I was really disappointed to hear him say. He said, "What if, what if you don't get to finish school? What oh, okay. then?" And my husband's response was. And what if I live an, another 90 years and regret that I never followed my dream of being a teacher? What then? <laughs> I love it. Yes. Um, I do want to tell you uh, a story that I, I hadn't shared with you before, Nada, and I'll be really quick about it because it it, it still blows my mind. And um, I did later on decide to remarry. Uh, I, I married a wonderful man, Marco, who has honored my husband's memory from day one and we are all one big family he talks about him he consults with him he asks asks him for advice and for guidance uh in parenting and in being married to me (laughs) um but it's really interesting because the night before i married marco we were scheduled to get married on a saturday and you know to have a civil ceremony and then with our, you know, with our two kids who um, were still fairly young. I can't remember exactly what age, but um, we had a ceremony on a cruise ship, just the four of us. And, but the day before we were scheduled to get married, which was the Friday night before I got the results that I, of my diagnosis of cancer. So um, Marco came over because we were going to, you know, get married the next morning and he brought his suit over and things like that. And I said to him, um, I need to talk to you privately. And, um, we came upstairs and I, you know, I was crying and I said to him that, um, that I had, that I had breast cancer. And I said to him, Nada, you know, I know what it's like to lose a spouse and I know what it's like to see them suffer. And I know that this is going to be a long road ahead. And so if you can't do this, I won't be mad. You can walk away. And I understand. And he said to me, are you crazy? (laughs) Just because we're not married doesn't mean that I'm any less committed to you and to the children. I will take care of you the way you took care of him. Wow. Very similar story. And when he said Absolutely. that, it just brought me back to that moment when I was with Roger in the emergency room. Yeah. You know, you just cannot deny that there is a power so much bigger than us. Oh, and that yeah. power and presence is with us. Because what are the chances of that? Oh, my gosh. Oh, yes. Oh, I know we're going to run out of time quickly, but could you share with us um, the story about your honey, I, I think it was your honeymoon when you went to Italy with Marco oh, and the, okay. the streets. Yes. So um, I had mentioned to Marco that one of the um, one of the promises that Roger had made to me um, was that he would take me to Italy because it was the number one place on my bucket list and Spain was the second one. And he promised that we would go um, one day and he died before he could complete that promise. And so Marco surprised me, um, 
years ago and said, I'm going to take you to Italy to finish Roger's promise for him. Mm. And then I'm going to take you to Spain from me. And he said, you are going to know that Roger is with us on this trip. He will be there. And during this trip, I mean, his name is Roger. His, his full name is Rogelio in Spanish, but Roger is not a very common name either. Yeah. And in Italy, as we got on the tour bus, we had the tour guide say, hello, welcome for joining our tour. My name is Roger and I will be your <laughs> tour guide. And Marco just leans in and he said, I told you, he's here. And, you know, a couple of tours later, we drove down a street named Roger. And a couple of days after that, we passed a store named Roger. And my kids were just like, Mommy, Daddy is here. Yeah. And when we went to Spain, when we went to the zoo, there was a large graffitied um, Roger across the entrance. <laughs> <laughs> to the zoo and oh, let oh. me tell you Nada he shows up to every oncology appointment every CAT scan every MRI because I never missed one of his appointments I went to every single appointment that he had and he goes with me to mine and I feel his presence and if I could share one last story yeah. um, about how Marco sees Roger as a partner is two things when he said, if you marry me, I promise I will always know my place in this family. Sophia and Christian will always come first. Roger will always be on one side of you and I will be on the other. Mm -hmm. And when they wheeled me into the surgery, uh, the surgery room, the operating room, he said, uh, when I woke up that he said to Roger, I know Teresa's scared and I can't be with her please go hold our hand and be with our girl. Oh, and it has been very much that way is that Marco sees, um, sees this as a love. He knows that I will always love Roger, but he also knows that there's enough room in my heart for him. And, and, you know, I think it de definitely helped that Roger before he died made sure to tell me, that he wanted me to find a dad for his daughter and for his son, and that he just really wanted me to be with someone who shared his values and um, that he knew that I had enough love in my heart for someone else. Yeah. It's so beautiful. And to be able to have that with this other man who you know that Roger is with you and Marco is just showing you that. I mean, right. Yeah. It's just because there's not very many men that would be willing to do that. And I think it is such a beautiful thing and all of the love and the abundance of love from Roger still pouring down and through Marco and ultimately also with your mom as all of this new phase is happening in this new transitioning and, um, Therese, I just, I can't thank you enough for your time, for your courage, for sharing your story of your mom, um, the story of you, the story of Roger and Marco and your children. And you are, you are a powerful woman and um, I just hold you in high regards. And I'm so grateful that you, you took the time and especially today to be here and, and to share your story and to be able to be a light uh, and a big beacon of light 
for other people who are trying to navigate some very difficult waters for themselves. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for letting me share my story of my mom and my husband, Roger and his memory. This Mm -hmm. is the way that I honor him and um, to talk about him. And also every time that I share the story, there's healing in it for me as well. So thank you for letting me be part of this and to be part of um, sharing. Absolutely. I am truly honored. Thank you. And it is true that there's healing that happens every time we get to um, visit and share stories and um, healing for yourself and healing for myself and healing for all of those who listen. So thank you so very much. And I will be in touch with you. I'm holding you, light and prayers and um, I'm so grateful. Blessings to you as well, Nita. Thank you so much, Therese. And for all of the listeners, Therese's information will be in the show notes. Um, And I think if we all could just lovingly send Therese and her mom and family love and light um, because energy travels. And I I hope you feel that um, as it is reaching you. Much love to you, Therese. Thank you so very much. Thank you, Nada. Thank you for spending time with us today. Please go to nadahogan.com for show notes and other information you can use right away. If you like what you heard here, please subscribe to our show. And don't forget to rate and review right there on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your shows. And don't forget to tell your friends about it. We'll see you next week.